Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I hope you enjoyed your holidays. I know that you are about to head to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. Do you have all your Michigan gear packed and ready? For one day? Yeah. Your Michigan boxers. Uh-huh. They're all set up. Uh, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm set. Come on. I know that you've been like Well, for, remember, first we're going to Georgia Tech, so we're going we're gonna to go try You're going to go see all the places well, Jeff Collins Coach recommended Col- last Yep. Week Coach Collins said Waffle House. I Believe it or not, as many times as I've been to the South, I don't think I've ever been to a Waffle House. Could I ask, what was your family's reaction to the best recommendation you got for food was Waffle House? No, that wasn't the best. That was just one of them. Okay. I heard the, that the other one you went and like did some research. The on varsity the is supposed to be like the big, it's like a two block wide uh, drive through and so we'll hit that as well. All right. I'm glad that we got the food prep portion out of the way for the show. Um, did you watch uh, some basketball on Christmas Day? Just a tad. Just a tad? There's not much to do. There wasn't much else on. No. I, I miss football on Christmas Day. Also. I mean, there's only so many times you could watch a Christmas story, as I good as it watch, is. I used to watch the Blue-Gray game. <laughs> That doesn't surprise you at all that I used to watch that. You were on radio, but if somebody could see my face right now. <laughs> it, be honest, it doesn't surprise you in the least. By, by the way, was there a blue-gray game this year? Uh, not on Christmas Day, because oh, okay. I was looking for it. All right. All right. Um, let's go back to the president that... <laughs> now that we've got the irrelevant portion of the show out of the way. Yeah, the, the uh-huh. present that uh, St. Nick gave everybody on Sunday before Christmas. Uh, Nick Foles leading the Eagles to a victory over the Texans. Go ahead. I'll let you... you you can, you can go, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Go ahead. No, that's not where I am. No? Um, you know, it. look, it, it was a fun game. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, the 32-30 on a walk-off field goal by Jake Elliott. Look, it, okay, here's where I'm frustrated. Oh, here we go. I feel like you can enjoy Nick Foles for just being Nick Foles. And mm-hmm. a lot of other people feel the need to compare him to Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz isn't on the field. Nick Foles is on the field. So Nick Foles had a great day. Nick but Foles I feel like, is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And, and I feel like if I acknowledge that, in some mm-hmm. way, people think it's a slight on Carson Wentz. But he had a great game. 35 mm-hmm. of 49, 471 yards and four touchdowns on third and fourth down in that game. He was mm-hmm. 15 of 16 for 193 yards and three touchdowns. That's what you want from your quarterback. Zach Ertz set the NFL catch record for tight ends beating Jason Witten with 12 catches for 110 yards. And fumbled yards. the record that, that, That's going to bother odd. him. Yeah. That, that's going to bother him. That's that, like, they're going to go to replay mm-hmm. the, you know, his, his record-setting catch, and it's a fumble. No, no, they'll cut it off. They'll, they'll, they'll show the catch, and that'll be it. But later in the game, he had a catch where he had some moves going into the end zone. <laughs> he looked good. He's, he's a very talented tight end. He's very athletic for the position. Nelson Aguilar caught his first touchdown since week two. It was an 83-yard bomb. He's got five catches of 40 yards or more this season. And only Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown have more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Sproles had a number of big plays, 37-yard touchdown, 31-yard catch on third and one. Look, this is the first time in 29 years that four Eagles had 75 receiving yards. The, e- the offense looked good. Didn't do much in the rushing game. Mm-hmm. Okay, no problem. Um, Lane Johnson. Considering that's not part of the plan of any coach in the NFL at this point. Doesn't seem like it. Lane Johnson had a great game against J.J. Watt. Mm -hmm. He just, I mean, you didn't hear, other than J.J. Watt in the pregame going around throwing a football with fans, that was really all you heard about J.J. Watt on Sunday. Jadavian Clowney, on the other hand, was all up in Nick Foles' grill because uh, Mm -hmm. Jason Peters went out early played five plays with a quad injury and uh, Halapuli Vitae was uh, 
not quite consistent, Jeff. This is not a slight. I preface this by saying this is not a slight on the Eagles' defensive line because they're very good. But I said this last week. I still believe that the Texans' defensive line is the best D line in football. And Clowney almost planted Nick Foles on the last drive well, of the game. Since you brought up Michigan before, Jadavian Clowney will be forever imprinted in the mind of every Michigan football player. I will player. never forget that play where he popped the running back in the back. Vincent Smith. That was, what was that, the Citrus Bowl? I don't know what it bowl was. was. Florida. All I know is that Vincent Smith is still trying to get the number of his jersey. He, you know, Clowney is without a, be- without a doubt a beast. Yeah. Okay. So that's the good. Mm-hmm. The Eagles still almost lost this game. <laughs> oh, stop. They did. Okay, so but they won. And they did. So, so now all that matters is they just need to win this week, and they need the Vikings to lose. They do. Right. Um, a few Which things. Which is a very – I mean, of all the scenarios you could possibly have, this is a good one because the Vikings are playing the Bears. The, the Bears, Bears. The Bears are not going to let up. They hate the Vikings. They that they do. Yeah, and, um, and and when you're a defensive team, see the problem in the last week of the season is always who they rest, and it's usually offensive players. It's not defensive players. So the Bears, I don't think, are resting anybody. And on top of it, their, their bread and butter is defense. They are going to annihilate the Vikings. So you think that the Eagles are going to make the playoffs? Yes, I do. That doesn't mean they win the Super Bowl. It just means I think that they're going to make the playoffs. All right. Before we go into that playoff scenario a little more in yeah. this coming week against Redskins, a few things. Where's Golden Tate? What do you mean, where is he? Look, I, I was for that trade. I know okay? you were. I thought, it, I thought it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. You can't give up somebody, a third rounder. Somebody in the studio was skeptical You can't give that. up a third rounder hmm. for like one or two catches. Uh, Richard Rodgers had a lot of time at wide receiver. I'm not sure what's going on. By the way, is there a week that doesn't go by that you go, Richard Rodgers is on the Eagles? I'm I'm just not, uh, and I I just feel the need to mention that. The other Mm -hmm. thing, again, the Eagles won the game. Okay. What is up with the refs this year, Jeff? What about? We like William Thomas. We like Mm -hmm. referees. I don't dislike Why are you dragging him into this? Because I don't want him to think that I'm talking poorly about officials, because I like officials. But you are talking poorly about officials. No, I'm talking poorly about officials that I watch refereeing the Eagles games. You watch all the games. I know, and they're terrible. So therefore, you're talking about all referees. (laughs) They're terrible. Okay, when the Eagles went for the two-point conversion. Do you think refs are are worse now than they were 10 years ago? Yes. No, they're not. I, I think that the game is now more complicated to call because it's all subjective. Was did he lo- who lowered the helmet? Where did the hit go? And the speed of the game is so much faster right. that it's harder for them to call, which makes the officiating worse because given the technological advances, you can see those screw ups now. You can slow down the play and turn it in seven angles and zoom in and stop it and see that Nick Foles got tackled by his face mask directly into but, the ground in front of the official but, looking straight at his face mask. But, Let's see how many times before you let me finish this. But somehow, despite all those technological advances that we can see when we watch at home that makes people complain about what the refs say, somehow when they go to the replay booth, their eyes don't work the same way that our eyes Which work. Which drives me even I, more insane because then i got to waste time while I do see, a review that they see, still get That's wrong. why, and, and now you're going to call me a ref lover or something, refs are not the problem. The 
the rules are the problem, which is a rules committee issue, and then it's the people in New York I'm gonna, I'm who tell, somehow can't get it right. I'm going to tell John Runyon you're talking bad about the rules. Okay, it's a, it's he doesn't make the rules. Right he enforces the rules. I, I just... It's frustrating each and every week. Yeah, but but you're, not you're saying it's the refs. It's are. not the refs' fault. Well, the refs no, are calling it the way that they're being told to call it. If, if the if the problem is the people that that institute the rules that make the rules. There's a and it's not John Runyon who's the rules committee. There are coaches and front office people that are the rules committee. And if they can't get it right and they can't say it in such a way that refs are going to be able to do it consistently, it's not the refs' fault. They they throw them out there and then and by the way let let's not forget the fact look at the look on your face <laughs> let's not forget the fact that we go into every preseason and they say there are all these new rules and and they sit there and throw flags left and right and the season starts and then they don't do it occasionally they do and it it drives me nuts though you know just give me a little bit of consistency just a little bit of consistency with You're what's happening in it. this game okay i'm not getting it so this sunday 425 so ask for something else next year for the holidays <laughs> um i will say that the ref that had the eagles game last week will be calling the minnesota chicago game this week don't know what that means uh <laughs> well, if if he calls the play that decides the game in favor of the Bears, then you'll be happy. If not, you'll complain that it's the Vikings got that the that somehow the Eagles got screwed and all. This. Quite possibly, I, I and somebody will claim that there's some sort of conspiracy. Never, no, that wouldn't happen. Um, all the games are at four twenty-five. Do you like the idea of everybody starting at the same time? I love it. I, I think I think that makes every game more exciting. So you'll be clock watching to see whether the Niners are keeping it close against the Rams because that's what the Eagles need to have happen. The Niners need to keep it close against the Rams so that the Bears keep playing a win. Because if the Bears win and the, and the Rams lose, the Bears can get second place and get a bye. And that's really what they're playing for. But they're playing at the same time. They are. But if, if so the Rams th- get out to an early lead, yeah. they'll absolutely know and take their players out. No way. Absolutely. There, there is no way if I am the coach of the Bears and I have come into a game with a mentality that I, hold on, that I, I have to play an entire game uh, that I'm going to be worried about whether the, the Rams have a big enough lead if that I can Rams take out my players. If the Rams are up 21-0 in the second quarter, Not happening. No, they're the, sitting their players. That, see, that is a fan mentality. That is not a coach's mentality. There is no way that if they are up in the first half or at the third quarter by 21 points. I hope you're right. I want to see them play the whole game. It's it's always the dilemma that coaches have. Here's There's some, no dilemma here. Here's some, some. They're going to play to the whistle. Here's some stats on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins to try and make Eagles fans feel a little less nervous going into the weekend. Vikings are 0 and 5 against teams that are currently in playoff position. Kirk Cousins is 4 and 24 in his career versus teams with a winning record, including 0 and 5 this season. Do we have the button where he play his? You like that? <laughs> you like that? <laughs> you like that? Um, you know, well. What do you okay? So you think the Eagles are going to win over the Redskins? You yes. think that Minnesota loses to the Bears? You think the Eagles end up in the playoffs as a six seed? Washington has totally given up on the season. They cut the, their cornerback. The, this, this there is a week team because that he has talked just poorly totally about the quit. Yes, uh, they're on their fourth or fifth quarterback. Swearinger is not a bad player. Oh, he got picked up quickly by the Cardinals. And, and okay, so get, there's another question I have for you. Why that, did the that, Cardinals pick him yeah, exactly. up? Exactly. Well, he played there before he went to the Redskins. So was, they have one more game, but they can sign him again. He's not going to retire this year. 
he can be with the team and then he can stay there. I think he was a free agent after the season. Yeah, he can choose to stay. He felt comfortable there. Well, he could go anywhere. Is he going to play this week for the Cardinals? I thought the Eagles would assign him, actually, given the challenges that they've had. Speaking well, of, higher the way, on, yeah, if you have to go through that whole you know, system. We'll see, we'll see if Sidney Jones ends up playing, but Avante Maddox has been a really pleasant surprise for the Eagles. Uh, there were no expectations about him, obviously, and you'll get a kick out of this. His height was an issue for people, but he went up against one of the best receivers in the league last week and didn't give an inch. Who? He went up, up against DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. Avante Maddox. He, he stood there, and at some point, Houston actually had to switch to move DeAndre Hopkins over to play against Russell Douglas because they couldn't get anything on Avante Maddox. When you saw in the second half when Hopkins you know, had a bigger impact, he was playing against Russell Douglas, not against Avante Maddox. Yeah, but it wasn't one-on-one coverage most of the time. No, they, they, they had a safety coming over the top. So, yes, I give him credit for it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like he was left on an island with him. Very true. Yeah. Okay, let's move to bowl season. Uh, have you been watching the college bowl games, Jeff? <laughs> the first five minutes of the first responders bowl? That was the whole bowl game. <laughs> so, yesterday Yesterday, they had a bowl game canceled for weather. Yeah. It's the Serve Pro First Responders game. And they played five minutes of Boston College. Five minutes of intense football. Against Boise State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston College scored a rushing touchdown. It was up 7 nothing, and the game was canceled no, due to lightning. No, they didn't score a touchdown. Well, while it, it never happened. I saw it on my TV. It didn't count. That's right. Here's the thing that I enjoyed. What is Serve Pro? By the slogan? way, the guy, the guy that scored the, the touchdown, I hope, good. I hope he scored one before because can you imagine if that was your only touchdown? And No, he boom, did. He's, he's had a good season and, okay. and he's a sophomore and somebody to watch next year. He, mm-hmm. had, he had some ankle injury problems at the end of the season, but he looked healthy and he, he looked good. It was, I was actually looking forward to it. It was a really good running back matchup in the mm-hmm. game. Um, but So Serve Pro was the sponsor. Do you know what their slogan is? No. Like it never happened. Well, fitting for the bowl game. There you go. That never happened. Mm-hmm. Any other bowl games so far? By the way, can, can we say you, you told me before we started that they are refunding people's tickets prices if they bought them through the schools? Yeah. So if you bought them through a third market, if you bought them through a secondary market like uh, StubHub, I guess they're not paying you back. Yes. What about the cost of flying down there and the hotel and, and that whole thing? Have you been reimbursed yet for your Michigan basketball game a few years ago that now no longer counts? Yeah. Because they'll probably get their reimbursement the same time that you get yours. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to other... That was cheating, though. Let's go to other bowl games. Anything else catch your attention so far besides the Minnesota Golden Gophers helmets? Well, <laughs> on the negative... <laughs> you just took it. <laughs> Those were the worst. That, I don't know what color that was. You're, you're venting about that on Twitter made me laugh. It was bit. awful. Congratulations on winning, but it's probably because, you know, I talked to some people who were actually at the game and they said they think that it was unfair because the helmets are so distracting that it was hard to actually pay attention to the other team. Poor players. Yeah. Uh, are you looking forward to the semifinal games this weekend? Yeah, I think I think they're going to be good games. I really do. I mean, they're not going to be defensive games. There's going to be a lot of scoring in both of these games. There have been some suspensions that are mm-hmm. going to impact these games significantly, you would think. Uh, Clemson in the first game. So the first game is Clemson against Notre Dame in mm-hmm. the Cotton Bowl. Clemson's back in the playoff, reaching the semifinal for the fourth consecutive years. They come in at 13-0 and are putting up 45 points a game. They lost their, their best defensive player in Dexter 
Trevor Lawrence. Who seems stunned by the fact that he tested positive for... All three of them seem stunned. That they tested positive and they're waiting for the B sample to mm-hmm. come back. Any chance you think those guys are playing in this game? I have no idea. Uh, I don't... I, they, I mean, you never know. How many people have said, I, I didn't do it? I'm not saying you that these guys did, but have we gotten to the point now that if somebody even is suspicious that people just don't give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. Well, that, I mean, that, that definitely It's not seems. fair sometimes, but that's that's where we are in Look, sports. You don't like this, but as a lawyer now, publicly you're guilty until proven innocent when yes, allegations are Yes, I don't, I don't like made. that, but but no. I understand it. And, you know, uh, I sometimes am it's, guilty it's for the, saying that. It's the court of public opinion where mm-hmm. instead of there's 12 jurors, there's a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, but if, <laughs> but if, but if, you, watch, if you watch Clemson at all this year... And you did, up have, close. You went and saw a game? Yeah, I went and saw their final game, which was against South Carolina before their um, their uh, conference championship game. Travis Etienne, you don't his stats aren't through the roof because they don't need him that much. That guy can run like nobody else in the in college football. He right still now. has almost fifteen hundred yards on the season. But if you're looking at matchups, you know Notre Dame don't sleep on their running back Dexter Lawrence, who in eight games put up nine hundred and forty-one rushing yards and mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Um, Notre Dame comes in rank, They've got ranked wins over Michigan and Syracuse, but four of their twelve wins were decided by a touchdown or less. The Tigers are averaging almost seventy-four yards a game, while Notre Dame's allowing fifty-four point eight fewer yards than that. Notre Dame has of the four teams has the best defense no, but, I, but I still think that in that game you're talking about an over under of close to seven who do you give the edge in my mind who do you I'm give the saying. edge on quarterback to you got Ian Book with Notre Dame and, and Trevor Lawrence with Clemson I give to Clemson you go you go to yeah. Clemson I know, I know he's a true freshman but but the guys just got innate talent uh, Clemson's defense, although you say that Notre Dame's is, is the best, Clemson's defense has 45 sacks this season. Mm-hmm. So while they may give up some points in yards, they're very aggressive. Notre they Dame's give up a lot of yards. I was at a game watching, I think it gave up over 400 yards passing to South Carolina's quarterback. Wow. So they have a ton of talent, but for whatever reason, that talent does not keep the other team from at least getting a lot of yards. Notre Dame's given up just seven touchdowns on the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, do you think, all right, let's look at the game. What what do you think is going to happen, the impact of the players not being there, and what do you think for final score? Clemson, Clemson has so many players. They have so much depth that I, I don't think that Trevor Lawrence's impact, or Dexter Lawrence's impact is going to be missed that much. They still just have... Just because of their depth. They still have two APL American ends in Christian Wilson and, and Clellan Farrell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they will have players there to make up that rush. I... I I think Notre Dame keeps it close for a little while. Clemson gets another score late, and I think it's about 31-17 Clemson. 38-24. Okay, Clemson. so you, you have a little bit of a mm-hmm. higher scoring game, but sort of I the same thing. I think it gets out of control in the last in the fourth quarter. Clemson coming from that side of the bracket, and then the, the later game on Saturday, Alabama against Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Um, before we go through the stats, your thoughts on Alabama and Oklahoma heading into the game and the season that they've had? Both teams, I know Alabama is used to, is being perceived to have a good defense. Their defense this year was not good. Their offense this year was incredible. You're talking about the two best quarterbacks in the country, in my mind. 
you have Tua, and you have Kyler. And those Is two Tua guys... Is Tua going to be the quarterback? Tua injured his ankle. He said he's 85%. In, in the uh, championship game, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts won the game for the team. Tua had ankle surgery to mm-hmm. sort of make it better. Tua going to be that starter? He said that he's 80-85% at this point. He's going to play it. And let's keep in mind, Tua is not... Jalen Hurts would have a more difficult time with that injury because he's a running quarterback, and that's what Alabama is used to having. In this game, Tua is a he can run, but he has got an arm on him, and, and he can stay in the pocket, which is not what you're used to seeing from Alabama. And he can complete passes, and I think that he'll be fine. Alabama comes in at thirteen and zero. Oklahoma comes in at twelve and one. They lost last year in the semifinal to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sooners come in putting up three hundred and nineteen point seven yards a game and two hundred in the air and two hundred fifty seven yards a game on the ground. They're first in the in scoring offense, putting up nearly fifty points a game. 96 in the nation by allowing 32 points a game. Defense seems to be the Achilles heel for both teams in this game. Um, are we just going to see a shootout? Yes. And, and are, it's, it's not. They're, they're, this is going to be a game of no defense. I'm still baffled that Oklahoma's conference can't find a single team that can play defense. And this is going to be the capper for that. So I, I'm expecting a game where both teams might have in the 40s. Alabama is second in scoring offense, putting up nearly 48 points a game. They're fourth in scoring defense, putting up nearly 15 points a game. So you could see some defensive scoring as well in this game, depending on what happens. Uh, Kyler Murray is a smart quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback, and he is not going to turn the ball over. He might. There's no way you're going to see multiple interceptions or fumbles out of him. You could see if it's a close game, it comes down to kicking. Uh, we know about Alabama's kicking woes in the past. We've talked about it on this show. Heck, we had Philly's pitcher on to talk about whether he was whether still he eligible was, yep, uh-huh. to pitch. Adam Morgan had a little eligibility left. We thought he might be able to go and kick a little bit last year. Um, in For Oklahoma, Austin Seabird has hit 83 of 84 extra points and 15 of 7 field goals attempts, where if you look at Alabama, they've got a freshman kicker that's hit 68 of 73 extra points and 12 of 16 field goals. Total that with the other kicker they have, they've only hit 76 of 84 extra points and 13 of 18 on field goals. How is it possible that how well Nick Saban recruits, he still can't find a kicker? It's really hard to find a college kicker. You, can, I mean, Michigan got the best college kicker and then benched him at the end of the season. It, you just don't know how... It, Kicking in high school, for whatever reason, is a whole lot different than kicking in college. I think that we're missing, to me, To me, if, if I were coaching either team, what I would be looking at is not all the passing, which is going to happen, but if I were Alabama, I would run the ball, and I would keep running the ball, and I would do whatever I could to keep Murray off the field. And when I say run the ball, I'm not talking about three yards. You think three very yards. highly of Kyler Murray. I do. I, I, you know, I, I had not seen him play till about the middle of the season. And when I saw him play, I was incredibly impressed by him. But if you look at the running backs that Alabama has, look, just look at these guys. They have Damian Harris, who's got 771 yards and seven touchdowns. Behind him, they got Najee Harris, who has 679 yards and four touchdowns. And then they have Josh Jacobs, and he has 495 yards and 11 touchdowns. And another guy, Brian Roberts, who has 272 yards and a touch and two touchdowns. It's not it, quite the 13 running backs that Georgia Tech has on the roster, but it's, it's some pretty, pretty good It's options. pretty impressive. So when you have, as Alabama has, okay, fine, they don't have a great kicker. 
They got an incredible offensive line, and behind that, they have a great quarterback, they have good receivers, and they have running backs. And if I were them, I would. It would also takes the risk off of Tua to have them running a lot, but not have him running. So if I, it, the only way I see Alabama winning this game is just running it down Oklahoma's throat and just having time of possession. That's so, the big thing. For so me. who do you think? Uh, give me a final score prediction for the game. Alabama, I'm going to contradict myself with the running because I still think that it's going to go through the roof and I say 45-41. I got Alabama 42-28. So we both have high scoring. I would like to see Oklahoma win. I don't really know why. It's not rational. I Mm -hmm. just, I don't like going chalk all the time. I'd like to see some type of chaos and upsets. I root for chaos. You know that. When there were a bunch of teams fighting it out for the fourth seed, I want to see... I would like to see this current format blow up. Frankly, I don't. I don't like it. I, I hope it does. You hear more and more coaches talking about it. If you look at the bowl games, there's nobody at the bowl. I, I don't understand how these bowls make money. In fact, did you see the story about one of the bowl? Uh, one of the guys who rolls, runs a bowl. I think it was the Outback Bowl. Makes over a million dollars a year for one game a year. Yeah, and talked about players not needing to get paid, and it, it's it is it's become a very as much as I like the bowls and I grew up with the bowls. The bowl system isn't working. Uh, it should still be a reward for the players, but now what you're seeing is the players, especially the better players, are protecting themselves. So if the bowl doesn't matter to a championship or a playoff, they're not playing. How many players I mean, this year aren't? playing i know that's a sort of a a thing that you pay attention to well uh, i i don't know what it is nationally i can tell you that with with my alma mater their best linebacker devin bush is not playing Rashawn gary their best defensive end is not playing one of their offensive linemen just announced the other day bush Beatty, he's not playing and there's another guy that's not playing which is their top running back and as a fan do you understand that or as a consumer who's going to go to the game does that anger you i no i totally understand it this is this is especially michigan jake but i was at the game a couple of years ago with the orange bowl jake butt was was a tight end who was supposed to be a first round pick and broke his leg in the game and it cost him a lot of money and he still really hasn't played up to his potential so i understand that but the the answer to that is is to make the games matter right now what what the bowls have become for coaches is an opportunity to get extra practices in once your season's over if you don't play in a bowl game that's it you're done you're not allowed to keep practicing if you're in a bowl you get a certain amount of practices so what's happening is the younger players are getting a chance to get a jump on next season and that and that's what the game becomes. So winning or losing, like I won't be upset if Michigan loses to Florida because I know that this has basically become a developmental game for next season. It's basically the G League of college football. There you go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you will be in Atlanta. Uh, you'll be at the, the. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that new stadium, and I know that you're excited for me because Chick Fil A is not open on NFL Sundays. But the game's on a Saturday, right? That so, means you can get Chick Fil A. Would you like me to bring you back some? It might be cold, okay. but it's the best of both worlds. You can see a game and have Chick Fil A. I see no downside to what you're doing, I'm even if your Chick-fil-A. team loses. Sorry. Anyway, Fiesta Bowl, LSU versus the reigning defending national champions UCF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I refuse to comment on UCF, okay? 
Come on, man. They're already kind of declare themselves two time or back to back national championships. There's no point in having the game. Don't be bitter. They just pretend. Don't be bitter, Joe. Uh-huh. You're just upset because Michigan hasn't gone undefeated where they can declare themselves national <laughs> champions by not playing in a game. Uh, the Rose Bowl, Ohio State and, against and Washington. Sell merchandise that says it. Yeah, that's right. Ohio State against Washington. For those of you uh, looking at quarterbacks for next year's draft, uh, this may be the only quarterback that's eligible that people think will go in the first round. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, now that Oregon's quarterback has decided to go back to school. This is amazing. This this quarterback class is so rough. weak in the yeah. first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of second and third round Which for round people grade. who hate the Giants, they mo- they'll be really happy about that. For yeah, people because who like the Giants, it's not going to be very good. This yeah. is, I'm playing the smallest guitar, or the smallest violin <laughs> that you can see right here for it. I used to love... Eli the, must be feel good. I used to love the pageantry around the Rose Bowl. I would sit and watch it. I remember, uh, I think it was 94, I watched the Penn State-Oregon game uh, mm-hmm. with my stepdad. And I just, I really always enjoyed the Rose Bowl, so I enjoy the of roses but and that, all the, that's a real bowl. Yeah, I mean, that that's what you remember of bowl season. Yeah, and not not what we're seeing. Not the first responders bowl. No offense to first responders or anything. No, I, I just think that all these bowls with these weird names, it just doesn't. I mean, I'll never get used to the the pooling weed eater. Do you have a favorite bowl? bowl name? No. I really enjoy the tax slayer bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also like the Camping World Bowl. Uh-huh. Those are those are two fun ones. I'm glad for you. Um, of the remaining bowls, anything else you're looking forward to? The Sugar Bowl has Georgia, Texas. Uh, will you watch these big bowl games that don't mean anything anymore? N- no. Okay. Well, here's part of the problem. Back in my day. They were, oh, you brought a back in my yeah. day out. That's so uh-huh. cute. Yeah. <laughs> All the bowls used to be on January 1st. And I would go... I loved that. It wasn't back in your yeah. day. It was my day, too. No, no. But 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 I could tell you that there, there was a group of friends, and we would get together, and we would bring TVs to his house. And he would have one big TV, and we would have a bunch of smaller TVs with antennas, by the way. And, and we would put on all now, the games. Now, now you're dating yourself. Yeah, no. And we would put on all the games. And then, and then the big TV would go on whatever we most wanted to watch, and we would just sit there flipping around. And it was just that New Year's Day was so much fun with all those balls. I can't tell you when any of the, 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 the games that are supposed to consist of the – I'm stuttering because this is baffling to me. Yeah, you're like all the New flustered York, here. You have the New Year's Six is what they're called, right? Yes, that most of them aren't on New Year's. Correct. So the Peach Bowl is part of the New Year's New Year. I'm going to the game. It's on December 29th. Somebody seems to have gotten the date wrong. It's 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 just not the same anymore. But here's the thing: if it was on the 30th, you yeah. wouldn't have been able to have Chick Fil A. I don't that, care. See, I'm going to leave it there. And that's going to be our talk for college football. Why don't we hit the break? That's sad. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little Sixers and more with D-Line. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey. Those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? 
All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, um, my worst nightmare is happening. Um, during the Sixers offseason, they yeah. were going to um, go star hunting. During the Phillies offseason, they were going to spend stupid money. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> and the reports I keep reading are that Machado and Harper may not necessarily quite possibly want to come here. Jeff? I don't Help. think I don't I from what from what I'm hearing they're not their first choices are not Philadelphia. The question is whether or not those end up being their choices. It doesn't mean they don't like it here. It just means that they may want to be somewhere else. I mean, I'm not a Yankees fan. I can't stand the Yankees, but I could see if you're a player wanting to play with the group of hitters that they've they've acquired um, over the course of time. Well, I, I get that, but it's the talk that, that people did of the talking up about, oh, we're going to sign all these players in the offseason, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and now you're to the point where the fans are going to be disappointed if you don't make those moves. So you've well, that, raised expectations to the point where you almost have to do something or you're going to have a disappointed fan base, which isn't the way it should be done. The Sixers did this expectation thing, and now the Phillies are doing the same expectation thing, and this might be the worst city to, to raise expectations. It doesn't mean they don't end up doing the right thing. It's just that the expectations are different than than what they set them for. Well, we definitely have the right person in here to ask about the Sixers and expectations and everything else that goes along with the city. D. Lynham, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we are thrilled. Uh, I... I, I told Jeff I'm a little bit of a star. I've, I've, I've watched you for years, so I enjoy the fact that we're going to get to talk to you. But I enjoyed getting to go back and learn a little bit about you kind of getting into the business, too. And I, I saw you tell a story about sort of your love of basketball, starting traveling with your dad to some, some travel camps and places that he would speak. Can you talk about how you got into this, this business and sports? Uh, sure. Uh, those days were when I was a kid, um, and he would speak a lot in the Poconos at different sports camps, basketball camps, and uh, we would rotate between my brother, sister, and I. If you got to ride shotgun and spend the eight hours with him, he'd probably hit three camps uh, along the way. So that's what that story was about. Um, but how I got in the business, my God, do we really always remember? <laughs> it's revisionist history. I don't, not at this point. Um, <laughs> Make up a really good story. Yeah, well, yeah. I do know, I know how I got on TV. My first job where I applied to get on TV, I bought a case of beer for a bunch of people. And Smart went, move. Yes. Well, it depends and, on what kind of beer. Well, I guess. <laughs> Apparently it was favorite. good beer. She made so it on that TV. I, <laughs> so that I could go after their 11 o'clock news was done. He, my friend of a friend. It wasn't even my friend. He was the sports anchor at a place in Santa Barbara, which is a very nice place. Mm -hmm. And when their news was done, the crew stayed and let me tape a five-minute uh, sportscast that I sent out to 
everywhere I could. That's wow. how you did it back then. Mm -hmm. Now you can just put something on YouTube and hope that people go and look at it or something. But that's not how it worked back then. Well, I'm actually going to skip then because you say that to a question I wanted to ask you further. Sure. You, I've seen you talk about the changing of storytelling mm -hmm. and the, the absence of storytelling in the Twitter era of shorter characters and shorter content. You There's even a whole article in today's The Athletic about the changing of the media just in this area over the past year. And so how do you think that impacts people? You know, you've obviously sort of been a, a trailblazer for, for women in, in sports and basketball. How do you think that impacts people, one, from the opportunity they have, but two, the different challenges that that places on the industry now itself? Well, I think you look around, first of all, in terms of the TV industry, there's just so many channels now. And so there are places to be on. The question is, can you make a living doing it? Because That's why Jeff and I have day jobs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, over the last couple of years, you've seen the layoffs ESPN level in the locally, you know, it was Comcast Sportsnet, now it's NBC Sports Philadelphia. And they're just scaling back to not do the storytelling that we did for 20 years and specials. And instead, they're counting on you to tune in for the games if they have them, which they do um, in a lot of cases. And then most of the other programming is people debating if Manny Machado doesn't want to be here, then mm -hmm. go somewhere else. Right. There, there, there's a lot of anger talk on radio Correct. as opposed no to... No, on TV and radio. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it seems like a lost art, but then you see play, things like The Athletic popping up, and, and that is good storytelling. Well, it is, but they don't put... I when, So, for instance, I go today, and I do. I love The Athletic. But there's not one new Sixers story over the last 24 hours. Last time they wrote anything was after the 5:30 game on the, the Christmas Day. Wow! So they don't write. Their people don't write every day, mm -hmm. and they probably have other jobs like other people. That that's where the industry is going. That you will do more than one thing for more than one outlet, and. Which means that in the end, there's there's less specified coverage tailored to that sport where somebody's really a super fan. They want to get those stories behind the scenes. I mean, some of the things that you seem to have enjoyed most, the weekly show that you did with Ken Griffey and Sr. in Cincinnati. That going was awesome. To Beijing with Yao Ming, going to the Congo with the Kevin Matumbo. I mean, some of the things that you did seem to revolve around the stories themselves sure. as opposed to the, the players. It was the, the background that got it. Are yeah, we going to lose out on that? Well, there's a couple, like 30 for 30 still exists. I love those. The 30 for 30 is great, but it's one per outlet with, that actually farms it out. And it comes frankly. out only every couple months, so Correct. it's not daily so it's not or weekly. Um, you do have the Players Tribune is doing some of, you know, they do mostly written form, but they've come out with some of their own videos, stories, but they're not where they go and spend, you know, days shooting hours of footage that I would go through to decide how to tell, you know, whether I had a story that was five minutes or I was given an opportunity with the Dikembe thing that was a half hour show for me. Um, yeah, but, but th think about how much time went into that show yes. it, it's it's if if you're right that people are 
spending less time doing it. It means you're not getting to know players. Right. And, and if you don't also, know them, you can't, you don't know the stories. So, and that's another thing. And I was talking, I did a show with uh, Rob Motti, who is AP and covers the Eagles. And, you know, now I was listening. everybody <laughs> um, goes to a podium. And, you know, has a press conference right. for everything. Mm -hmm. And or even if you still go to somebody who was a lesser tier and you go in the locker room, they're like available for everybody at one time. Right. And so and if you ever got caught now, you look at a, a practice, there's a place I can stand. Right. And if you wander talking to somebody, there is a PR person who's falling so fast. Mm -hmm. So he's about to have a seizure. Right. Here, exactly. Yeah. So the relationships are harder to come by um i think people are a little more guarded too given the the spotlight that they're under now it, it, they're guarded and yet they're so free on social media so it's a strange combination for me and, and they're they're so entertaining when you do get them it, you know it's it's fun we we do you know you do a lot with the blue coats and we do our weekly regimen show and we find that enjoyable because we get some of these younger players who haven't gone through the podium process yet. They're right. used to it being right at their locker and making sure that that everything's right there. And you, it seems like you get a more informal, personal interview when when you're in the minors as opposed to when you're up in the pros. And and I actually, so for instance, the Chicago G League team, I think it was two years ago, and I was interested in watching it. But they followed those guys who four of them who lived in a quad, very similar to what the Blue Coats did when they were still. At the University of Delaware. I mean, it's like dorm living for and for them in one. They all have their own rooms and whatnot. Um, but they followed them for like a week, and which included their grocery shopping or not. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you? Where are you eating? <laughs> what are you eating? Because yeah. you're trying to maximize what is not a lot of money mm -hmm. um, coming on and off the bus. What time of day are you boarding and what time of day are you getting home? You know, just to, but you get a real sense of the people because you had that access that isn't readily available. And a lot of it is also because almost every team or school now has their own digital you know, their own web yeah. website and they keep some of the good stories for their own website. Now, the unfortunate thing is when you take them away from some of the national outlets, you don't get all the eyes on that. You mm -hmm. can scour the internet to find it, but you used to be able to know a good story. I mean, I still watch ESPN on the weekends during, you know, leading up to football. They'll have some good stories of people or things that have happened. E60, I think, is still on there. Yeah, but but those those are assignments. I they think are. they're they're not relationships. Right. No, I and, and I, agree. I mean you've you've had the opportunity, and you can tell when you interview people that that these are relationships that you have. Well, that's true. But so, that's also years of investment. Right. And, and and so that's what you don't, that's what you're missing. These guys can put out on their own platforms, their own stories. They can have media relations people mold what they want to hear about. But you can tell that it's not, it's not the full reality. Right. And, and you, you miss those kind of moments in sports, which I think takes people away from being more invested in it. I agree with you. Um, I mean, I think there'll be people who... It also, like my kids like sports, 
but they're not dying to go and see a game or make sure we watch it in the house. That's... Well, you can take my kid if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that maybe their interests are just different, but they right. play sports. Mm-hmm. But I think they feel that they're not like totally connected to. And then my which guys, is, which is ironic, given how connected people are now, that there's a greater disconnect between the players and the fans than I think there has been at. That's times. not a real connection. Well, I mean, that's a whole bigger society discussion. You're but just my, on a Twitter uh, no, rant this I, well, morning. Well, no, Jeff I just, I just today, Dean. Oh, Sorry I about that. I, I, I don't. You. I don't believe that social media has drawn people closer together. I think that it has given people a voice that feel they're disaffected. But I. But I don't. Like when I see my kid or I see other people on Facebook or things like that, I don't think that makes them more connected. You get to see more people, but I don't think you see them in a substantive way. And I I sort of disagree with him in that I think you get both. I think you get the disaffected side, but I think think if people use it the right way, it gives you a window into them that you don't normally get to see. Like Some of these players are so guarded, yet they can take to their social media and speak directly to people, and you see a side of them that you don't get when they're on the court or when they're out there doing things. I mean, I know the ones that that work for me. Dwayne Wade is pretty genuous. Uh, he's not on it all the time, but he uses mm-hmm. it more for uh, a good thought here, a good thought there about something he read or something that happened in the world, not shoving it down your throat. Right. But you can tell. Mm-hmm. He, and just like you can tell when it's not like that. Right. Um, He's a good one that I always think of. I just had a second one that left my mind that wouldn't be somebody that's in, in this area. Like for uh, obviously Joel Embiid, and he's kind of gone a little quiet lately, but he's also a little quiet or cranky on the court. So that might be the we'll, reason. We'll get there in a sec. That may <laughs> be the reason that jovial Joe has stepped from the uh, spotlight on social media currently. But I, I think he has done a good job of being playful. With, he, I, did, I wrote an article and I got in touch with his people. He does... It's his own. Nobody else is writing for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think you can tell. I was going to say, you can tell. You can see when athletes and people in general are speaking in their own voice. Correct. Having done marketing for a long time, you can tell when a press flack or a marketer has written something as opposed to an individual. Absolutely. And those ones who like to be the ghosts that think they can hide, you know, I'm good at it. You you can't ghost it that well. No. I mean, especially not with these athletes. Joe can do a Bede's voice better than anybody could write his Twitter. (laughs) Seriously. Without a doubt. There's just. No way. Mm-hmm. So before we get to the Sixers, I just we like on this show to talk uh, more than just balls and strikes and and you know scores in the game. Especially when you're talking basketball. Uh, well, yes, of course, Jeff. <laughs> uh, see, now Jeff is always there to call it out. He's, he's, it doesn't matter holiday time, yeah, yeah, New yeah, Year, finish your right question. There. But um, so having had the success you've had in the industry, what advice do you give to somebody listening, man or woman, who wants to follow in D Lineham's footsteps? Oh, uh, what advice. Other than I, don't I, follow in those footsteps. All right. No, well, my big thing, I do teach at uh, Chestnut Hill College. I do say, uh, have a plan greater than 25 years in this industry. Um, because I think it's necessary, and I think absolutely, and may, maybe it'll change 25 years from now, but by and large, for females especially, if, you're, if your job is in front of that camera, have a plan. It's, and clearly, I did not. Well, no, but... But, I mean, I'm doing other things, but I wasn't... I wasn't 
like ready. And I, I don't think it's just in this industry. I think, you know, when people get to a certain age and have to make a career change, it is very, uh, it, it's forces you to be thought provoking look inside how do the skills that have made me successful at doing what I do how can I convince somebody else in a different industry to understand do you know how valuable my skills would be for your industry well, and I've seen you talk about that about not being afraid to try something new I do say that you, you I know, do you, and I have done a lot of do new in the last year and a half because I never taught um, so I'm teaching you know, at a college level, nonetheless. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Look at Pro- that. Professor Lionel. <laughs> yeah. um, the, doing the sports radio is obviously different for me. The color commentating I had started before I left, but I've been able to sustain with the blue coats and added Princeton's women to, um, to that. Uh, I continue to write. I went back to get my master's. So I'm um, three classes short well not short I just need three more classes so sometime in June July I'll be done um yeah so always something new there is always something new all right I'm gonna write a book at uh, one point we'll talk after the show because Jeff has lots of ideas too (laughs) um something that wasn't new well something that was new the other day was that Ben Simmons hit a long jump shot (laughs) um believe me so I'm I'm did your phone keep shaking okay so that's the thing I'm I'm sitting at Christmas dinner with friends and all of a sudden I get four mobile notifications that Ben Simmons hit a 22 foot jump shot is it a problem that our superstar I gets mobile alerts sent out for hitting a 20 By the way, it, foot did, it didn't mention shot. that there was no time left on the clock and it was a desperation shot. But, but it did yeah. mention that it Which was... Which is a, most of what his long right. shot It, it did are. mention that it was the longest shot he has taken. And, and you and Jeff have been I don't at think practice. It's, a lo- it's the longest shot he's he made. made. He's made. You and Jeff have been at much more uh, practice than I have. And you've seen him shoot. And Jeff always says he's got a good shot. He just doesn't shoot it in the game. What's going on here? And why do people react like that? Or if, is it a problem? Both. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, first of all, this kid was on a roll. And how the positive impact, I believe, the addition of Jimmy Butler had brought to his game. And you can go back and you can look statistically how it's elevated upon his arrival. And some of that was Brett Brown saying to Jimmy Butler, I think you can really help this guy get to another level. Most of it, I believe he thought defensively because he's always said he believes he's a, you know, first team, all defensive guy. So, and then he goes to Boston and because Boston had shielded him and shown him a wall a year ago and taken, you know, let the guy be a foot off him. And so it just stood out again, right? And he had, he finished with 11, 14 and eight. Last year in the four games against Boston, he averaged 12, 6 plus, 6 plus, which is below what he is right now, which is 16, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Not, But that's drastic for the guy, mm-hmm. if the, you know what I mean, when you're yeah. averaging. It means he doesn't even have one game where he comes out and gets 20. Mm-hmm. So, Well, to me, the big problem with the Boston game was his plus minus. I know, yeah, everybody the, pointed to that. I, yeah. the, the plus, he's like, my, some guy, and I don't know if this is true, he added up the six games total now. With said the he, Celtics, yeah. He said it was minus 160. Yeah. I, uh, is, it, is it that number? I think that was the number that I heard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so mm-hmm. it sounds drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with plus minus for me, 
though if it's a continual always case, mm-hmm. like for instance, TJ McConnell is almost always the first or second in plus for plus minus for them mm-hmm. um, because you're affected by who you're on the court with too. But if it's a continual pattern for one particular matchup, then it does say one they're guarding you and you're not doing something at the other end mm-hmm. or you guys as a group aren't. So, but for a game that goes into overtime, that would be his plus minus would be disturbing right let's talk about that last play of the game here's what i don't understand i don't the end of regulation regulation end of of regulation Um, jimmy uh jj the jj shot brett said he didn't want to call a timeout because he didn't want to let the defense set up which i i knew right away because brad stevens does things to them but i don't think you should react like that but that's fine that was my thing i i feel like you should be dictating the play especially if you have three superstars supposedly sometimes i hate when people call timeouts because it allows everything to read set okay mm-hmm. so, so so situationally maybe you don't call that timeout but they had plenty of time if you didn't like what you were running because you had 19 seconds right you if you don't think you like it you, you could have called else. yeah and so you could do or something call else. the timeout and so you've got jimmy butler who's hit two game winners since he's on the team you've got ben simmons who at least is a little more forceful down low at this point you got joel Embiid, who can be dominant down low maybe gets fouls Instead, you have your what would be your fourth option. And look, I like J.J. Redick more than I ever thought I would like a Duke player ever. Mm-hmm. I was just surprised that the last shot of the game was to J.J. when you have Jimmy Butler now and he was on struggling this team. In the game. Yeah, he yeah, hadn't, he was five hit, he hadn't hit the side he of the backboard in the second half, basically. His first half, he was on fire. You know, they'd have been down double digits without him in the first half. Just seemed like he was struggling the second half. Any thoughts on that end of game? Well, I... I my guess is, and I scoured because there was no post game, so you couldn't even see where there was nothing written about anybody asking. Mm-hmm. Was that the play? And if they did ask it, they didn't get an answer that they thought was worthy of being in the story. So, uh, my initial gut reaction says that that was just them running their offense. There is not; it's not running a play for JJ to get that. It's them running their offense. And that was the shot they ended up with. Should they be running a play at that point rather than just running their offense? Like running motion offense? Yeah, running motion, try and dictate a little more to get a matchup. But I'd have to, I I thought I went back and looked at it, but that was not the play that I had on, because now I'm at the mercy of the uh, internet. But anyhow, that first of all, Embiid was not demanding the ball in the post. And And he really didn't in the the fourth. What's that? After the game, he was. Yes. That's my next question. But not in the fourth (laughs) and not in the overtime. Mm -hmm. And when you look and he didn't get a field goal attempt, I get that. I mean, he did go to the line for two free throws. So, Um, but not like such a presence. Give me the damn ball. That was not what was happening. And so I, I, should they have a play? They definitely have plays to run out of timeout. And then that goes back to, should you call the timeout? He said he didn't want because he didn't want them. So that's a philosophy thing. And I think that... Yeah, but this is in five seconds. They had, it was you 19. said, it was 19 seconds. So you could set whatever play that you were going to set from the timeout, reset. too. Yeah, you could have. And, and you still have... Because at that point, there's nothing Brad Stevens is going to do at 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. He's going to just have his guys ready to... He's going to know what they like to run at end-of-game situations. Right. And have his guys ready for that but your execution maybe could have been better coming out of that timeout i it, i don't know jeff jeff alluded to a little bit uh for the second time in a month joel Embiid's come out after the game and well the one last one he 
was before the oh, game before because he didn't game. play. That's right. Um, but the second time <laughs> in a month, he's, he's questioned sort of the coaching staff and the position they've put him in at times. Well, it's funny. Uh, it, it's, it's I've had people uh, analyze it two ways. It is questioning that. But he always starts out saying, I take full responsibility because I could have done more. And now we circle. And, you know, I didn't get enough touches, uh, but I want to do more. So it's kind of that... If it were somebody saying it's a backhanded compliment, this is a backhanded taking responsibility, in my opinion. Should fans be concerned that that's happened more since Jimmy is here as they all try and figure out their role on this team? Yes, but I don't think it's directed at Jimmy. Who is it directed at? The increased or better play of a Ben Simmons. Interesting. Because, well, it can be one of two things. Of sharing is people always like to say, you know, I need more help around me when you are a star. Right. There are some that that then happens and that's fine. Like a Steph Curry, you know, that's mm-hmm. fine. The more the merrier. Right. And there's but you're others. getting the ball less. Right. Yeah. Well, doesn't hurt Steph. He's mm-hmm. still been an MVP and he's got two rings and he seems to be doing okay. But but Joel's problem seems he's to be still, he wants the ball more, but he only wants it in certain spots now. And Well, I, I don't know if, if you heard him, but I had to call him out on I don't like shooting threes. Mm-hmm. And I said, excuse me, can we go back to two <laughs> questions ago? I said, because it seemed like you couldn't wait to shoot a three uh-huh. the last two years. And now you're going to sit here and tell me you don't like yeah, shooting that threes? Did, that didn't look like it was Brett Brown screaming shoot a three here. He, there are games when That's, he just all of a sudden just starts chucking But that's chucking what I'm him. saying. That's, that's part of their offense. Like when he's the trailer, mm-hmm. that he stops at the top of the you know arc. And that's usually where most of his come from. Right up so, the top of the right. arc. And that, what, what else does that mean? You don't have to run the full length mm-hmm. of the yeah, court. You don't yeah. have to run the 94 feet. So anyhow. and I, Is I, that a by, conditioning problem? No. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it could be, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm not blaming it on conditioning. Okay. I would say, isn't it funny? You're saying this and you're only shooting 28% from three right now. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that you want to shoot 50% overall. So give me the ball in the low post. Then, then put your butt down there and, and be real about right. posting somebody up. Pick, pick but, up fouls. But, and, but the, and don't dribble your way in. He leads the league in yeah. uh, free throw attempts. But I'm saying Which imagine not, how many more he'd have. Get, not, not being so assertive once they get you the ball. Be assertive before, before yeah. in asking for the ball. Mm-hmm. Because just like Wally uh, waiting for it, like just with your arm up like this. Mm-hmm. And then they're, that, that, that's not demanding the ball. And it certainly doesn't look like you're ready to go. D, we could sit here and ask you questions all day, but the guys on the other side of the glass are going to yell at me. So maybe we'll have you come back on again and talk a little more with us. Anytime. anytime. All right. We'll go to the close. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Jenny, Jeff, any last words? Nothing. All right. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Everybody have a great new year and we'll talk to you in 2019. Bye-bye.